Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. If you have your Bibles, put them up. If you got your phones, put them up. If you got tablets, put them up. If you just have a bare hand, put it up. If you don't have a hand, put your nub up. (laughs) Whatever you have, just lift it up, okay? (laughs) Real high, real high, real high. Repeat after me. Today, Today. louder. Today, Today. the Holy Spirit Spirit is going to speak to me for the last time time in this series series about my faith faith moving. moving. After today, though? though. Make sure you do the inflection. After today, though? though. I will know know. and fully understand understand. that my faith is going to walk me out of some bondage that I've been in. After today, there are some struggles that I will not struggle with anymore. After today, there are some habits that will not be habits anymore. After today, there are some promises that I am walking into not to visit temporarily but to stay permanently because after today my faith moves and my faith stays let's go let's go let's go okay Hebrews chapter number 11 verses 29 and 30 I want to read you these two verses and then I'll give you the title of the message okay Hebrews chapter 29, uh, chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, it says this. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Those two verses are just great all by themselves. If you're taking notes on this message, uh, please write this down. The title of this message is Faith to Walk Out, Faith to Walk In. I want to talk to you about the type of faith that it takes to walk out and the type of faith that it takes to walk in. Now, there's three points to this message, and after you hear my three points, you're going to think to yourself, this guy's really redundant. The points are redundant, and you're going to deal with them. Okay. They're redundant for a reason, because as we end this series, I really want to uh, drill down and anchor into you what it is to live by faith. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes, let's pray over the word, and then we'll get right into it, okay? Holy Spirit, give us the faith to walk out and the faith to walk in. Amen. Um, When I get to heaven, uh, after I spend some time with Jesus, which there will be no time and just be be eternity. So that could be as long as I want. Um, There's a couple of people I want to talk to. Several people, actually. Um, But but I want to meet the writer of Hebrews. Before I meet him, I, I just, I have some words for Adam and Eve. And um, 
those have been stored up. So I, I need to talk to them for a minute. Um, just want to holler at them for a minute. But, but I want to I meet the writer of Hebrews. And, and more than just meet him, I just want to hear him talk. Because based on what he wrote, the way he wrote it, I would just have loved to hear him preach one sermon. Think about what he gave us in the book of Hebrews. He ties up so much of Jewish faith into Jesus, the high priesthood being Jesus, this incredible chapter that we've been in for the last two and a half months talking about our faith. What an incredible writer. What an incredible orator. What's interesting that I see in uh, verses 29 and verses 30 is, is how the writer chooses to link the information that he gives us about the faith of corporate Israel. That by faith, they were able to walk right through the Red Sea and experience their deliverance and have the Egyptians drown behind them. And in the very next verse, that by faith, they were able to walk into the beginning of their promise by having the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Now you got to understand how masterful this writer is because he's living, literally giving you in two verses back to back the most miraculous deliverance in Israel's history of all time. Followed with the most miraculous military victory that they ever experienced in their history. Back to back, he is showing you exactly how extravagant it was to to have God uh, uh, walk his people out of bondage. Then the very next verse, how extravagant it was for God to miraculously walk them in to his promises. He walked them out in a certain way and he walked them in in a certain way. So I want to talk to you uh, about these by answering some questions. Okay, so so we'll give you the question and then we'll give you the answer. The answer uh, uh, is 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 the point. Okay, the way that I'm doing my points, one, two and three, it's it's the answer to the questions that we are asking. Here's the first question that we're asking. How do we walk out of bondage? How do we walk out of bondage? The answer is simple. We walk out by faith. The same way you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ is the same way you walk out of any bondage that you've been in prior to that relationship with Jesus Christ. We walk it out by faith. Let me read you Exodus chapter number 14, verses 21 through 31. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind 
The wind blew on that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. That just had to be amazing. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Here was the response. Let's get out of here. Away from the Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Now, let me tell you how they knew that the Lord was with them because they knew how to drive. These were expert charioteers. They knew how to drive. And um, uh, uh, they, they saw their wheels turning. and They're like, that's not me. I think we need to go. I, I don't think we should be following these people anymore. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. How do we walk out of bondage? We walk out of bondage by faith. But let me tell you something about uh, uh, th- this, this faith walk, especially when it comes to walking out of bondage. It, it means and it requires that you do something. See, see, a lot of times we have uh, been, been raised in uh, a certain atmospheres and environments where we believe that the altar call is the end all of deliverance. That if you just make it to the altar, it'll all be fixed. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth about altar calls. Uh, 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 if the Holy Spirit is moving through a, a, a message Uh, in a communicator to the point that somebody responds to that message. The only thing a great sermon does is open up a can of worms. It just makes you realize you have some stuff moving around that needs to be sorted. When you come to the front of the altar and pray with somebody, you're inviting somebody to look at your worms. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are worms. Like, would you pray for me? Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe God's going to free you of whatever it is you're going through. But here's what most people walk away with. That was it. I am free. Thank you, Lord. That message freed me. No, that message popped you open. 
You you might need a a little more work to be free. You notice what it said that, that they by faith, the children of Israel walked straight through. They weren't carried over. They actually had to walk through a process to get to the other side to experience their freedom. So, so a lot of times when, when, we, we, when we preach about breakthrough, when we preach about coming out of bondage, it, 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 it sometimes ends in an, in, in an emotional fervor for the congregation. And we get so excited about the breakthrough and about the deliverance and walking out of bondage that we forget that there's something we have to do. Like for some of us, let me just give you some practical uh, uh, points that might apply to you. Yay, I'm coming out of bondage. That's right. Now go to counseling. Because by faith, the way that Sharon is going to come through the Red Sea is by going through 18 months of counseling to get over her trauma that she experienced as a child. The sermon just opened up a can of worms and made you realize that you had some issues. But this counseling is going to walk you through so you can get to the other side and experience some real practical freedom. Children of Israel had to do something. Remember, there was this great uh, quote that we love to use uh, uh, as believers to this day. And it's a great scripture to stand on. But you got to understand the practicality behind it. Moses told them as they were complaining, we're going to die. They're all right here. They're going to come kill us. My enemies are coming back. (laughs) He said, no, no, no. You're going to stand right here. and You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. As soon as you get to the other side. We're going to need you to move from complaining to action. And when you get to the other side, you're going to be able to look back and all the enemies that are coming after you today. You will not see them anymore. But you have to move through something. Okay, okay. Um, If you don't move through, you get stuck. Now, 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 here's where most people feel like um, their deliverance isn't happening or their process isn't working. Because when you start going through, all the enemies start coming after you. And, and what the enemy will make you believe is that if the enemies are coming after you, let me get more practical. If you're being tempted by your past. If there's a desire to go back or, or, or there's a desire from those that you left to come back, you feel like, well, I must not be experiencing freedom. No, you are experiencing freedom. Because the only way, the only reason why they're coming after you is because you're moving away. And that means you're normal. I've got to take my time right here. Okay. Um, I just want you to imagine that um, the, the labor force of Egypt was the Israelites. They're the one that is uh, responsible for the infrastructure of Egypt. Okay? Uh, And through a series of plagues, (laughs) uh, after politely asking Pharaoh ten times, can you just let them go? And he's like, no, I won't let them go. And it takes the death of the firstborn to finally do it. He's like, okay, actually, you can go. When they leave, they don't just leave they leave with all the money of Egypt on their backs. So uh, uh, even though it was amicable, right, y'all broke up. 
Y'all broke up. And it was amical. You're going to both be adults about this. I'm leaving now. Okay. And you start walking into what God has for you. You start walking into what's next. And then halfway through, um, you know, the Egyptians look around like, who's going to cut this grass? I'm not going to. I'm not. Don't we have another pyramid project next month? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not lifting up these rocks. You know what? Go get them. So they all start coming back. Now you're halfway through your deliverance process. You have four more counseling sessions left. And all of a sudden, everything that you left wants you back. And you actually think because it wants you back, something must be wrong with you. No, the only thing your enemy's telling you is that you are valuable. Not only are they telling you you are valuable, but they're also telling you that you were benefiting me. Because you do know the children of Israel were benefiting Egypt's culture and its kingdom. You do know that if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are benefiting a satanic culture and kingdom. So when you make a decision for Jesus Christ and start walking away from your old lifestyle, your whole lifestyle is going to try to come back and get you because you were a benefit to the kingdom of darkness. And now you're about to be a benefit for the kingdom of light and he can't take that. So he has to come try to get you. So when you walk out of bondage, you have to walk out with a mind made up that I'm going into a covenant with God and I no longer need this in my life. Now, now, I don't say this as a theory. I say this from experience. Uh, Many of you all have heard my testimony that at the age of eight years old, I was sexually molested by by a neighbor that lived across the street from me at the age of 12. Uh, I got exposed to pornography by the time I was 20. Um, uh, I was a full-blown porn addict. I was highly promiscuous. Uh, And after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, uh, I I was a born-again, made-righteous porn addict. I'm going to let that marinate. Because I know there's some people in here that's like, no, 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 you were made new. I was in here. This. This did not. This was like, uh, I'm sorry. What did you do? I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say we're not doing anymore? What do you mean we're not going to do that? No, this is. No, we do this. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do this. Then a war broke out. Then I needed to ask God, would you please come free me? And he said, yes, I'll free you. And I come down to the altar and I was like, please, I got this stuff. And they put the oil. Come out. Come out, lust. Purge his mind, Jesus. Right? Waiting for the men in black episode to put on the glasses. Right? Make go away, Jesus. Right. And we prayed that and I cried and it was really good. It was good to to at least acknowledge my worms. But then like three days later, I was just as tempted as as before. And then I started thinking, well, I must not be delivered. God must not love me. If I was really saved, I wouldn't be struggling with this. No, no, no. You know, you're saved because you're struggling. Because before I got saved, I wasn't struggling with porn. I'm telling you that right now. I was not struggling. There was no struggle. I didn't have any struggle with promiscuity. I was like, yes, you, yes, me. Amen. Like, I just, I'm just telling you the truth. 
I knew that I was saved because I was now struggling with stuff that I used to be comfortable in. So God is now trying to walk me out. And he says, I want you to go through this process of counseling because pornography is not your issue. That is the fruit of your issue. It's not the root. The root is sexual trauma. And you need to be able to put uh, words to the way you feel. Because whatever doesn't come up and out through your mouth will come up and out through your emotions and through your actions. And so I'm like, oh, 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 that's, that takes a long time. And I didn't know going through the Red Sea was going to be like 10 years of counseling. What happened to the instantaneous deliverance? The ten of, the, I, I love instantaneous deliverances. My dad has one of those. He used to be uh, a PCP addict and heroin and, and smoke weed and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and one day he went to church and the Lord just took the taste of all of that out of his mouth. That's glorious. I, I love when somebody's Red Sea experience is like eight feet. Right? That's just awesome. Amen, Jesus. I'm free. For everybody else, it's like. And the enemy will wake you think, look at you, you're still going through this, still struggling with this, still thinking about this, still having relapses to this. And you're going, but wait a minute, I'm eight feet further than I was when I started moving by faith. Don't ever let the enemy or anybody around you make you feel guilty for your process. People just got stuff that they have to sort through. And sometimes that 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 walkthrough may not look as glorious as we make it sound in retrospect. By faith, they walk through the Red Sea. But here's how they really walk through. Please don't fall. Please, wall of water, don't fall. Please, please let me get by. Just just me. I just want to. And then please kill them. I don't know how you're going to do both at the same time. I don't know how I'm going to get out. They're going to get it. But please don't let me die like this. Right. And they got to the other side and they turned around and all the enemies that were coming after them. Going in the water, drowned in the water. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is why baptism is so spectacular. What you saw with the children of Israel going through the Red Sea was nothing but a type and shadow of what happens during baptism. That when you go down in the water, a bunch of stuff that's been chasing you cannot get to you anymore. It's a sign of something being cut off. Scripture calls it spiritual circumcision. That when we go down in the water and we come up, something is cut off from us that can never came, never come back unless you try to jump back in the water and pull it out yourself. So, so how do we come out of bondage? We come out by faith. faith. Okay. There's something as I studied this a couple of days ago that, that was very, very intriguing to me. Um, the writer of Hebrews is, is incredibly articulate uh, he's eloquent and he's absolutely pur- purposeful. And I found something in uh, verses uh, 29 and 30 that 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 made me just kind of ponder something. And it was that the writer seemed to have conspicuously omitted um, a detail from Israel's journey. He, he, he gets the 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 outro correct. Right. They come out of bondage. He gets the intro Correct. They go into the promised land. We'll deal with that point in a moment. 
But there's something that's missing in between them coming out of Egypt and them coming into the promised land. And that is the wilderness. You would think that it should be uh, verses 29, 30 and 31. Right. And, and that that 30 should be pushed down to 31 to insert verse number 30 and them saying by faith, the children of Israel went through the wilderness and was miraculously provided for by God and their clothes never wore out and their shoes never uh, 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 wore down, that, that they were provided for in the wilderness. But it's not there. How come it's not there? It's not there because the wilderness experience was not a by faith move. It was a lack of faith that got them caught in the wilderness for 40 years. So point number two, please write this down. Uh, uh, How do we stay out of the wilderness? (laughs) We need to answer this question. How do we stay out of the wilderness? The answer is very simple. By faith. Listen to me. The wilderness was supposed to be a 40 day journey. It was a 40 day journey that turned into a 40 year journey because of their unbelief, their lack of faith made something that was supposed to be temporary in their life permanent. Their lack of faith made something that was supposed to be a lesson turn into a lifestyle. I got to help you all here. Because if you do not understand God's wilderness versus your wilderness, you will call God's, you will call your wilderness God's wilderness. And you will turn something that was supposed to be temporary into a permanent lifestyle. It it was their lack of faith when they spied out the land and only two uh, uh, of the Israelites came back uh, who who were uh, Joshua and Caleb. They're the only ones that came back with a good report. We can take them. The other 10 came back and was like, no, we can't. We look like grasshoppers to them. We're not going. And all the people starting in verse in chapter number 14 of numbers, all the people started going. We're not going. (laughs) I know you promised this isn't just right there, but we're not going and we're just going to stay here. And here's a pronouncement that came upon them. This is he. This is a a numbers chapter number uh, 14 verse verse number 34. Oh, this is this frightens me. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. This is gangster. Then you will discover what it is to what it, what it is like to have me for an enemy. See that reaction you just had. That's what I had in my quiet time. I was reading. That, mm, 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 mm. Like, Let me get to Psalms or something. Let me. Where is Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. Like we, I do not want to be your enemy, sir. But if you don't have faith, you'll wind up God's enemy. Listen, the the, the wilderness was supposed to be a 40 day reset 
to get them out of what they were bound in so that they could enjoy what they were going into. God will never take you straight out of bondage right into your promise without giving you a hard reset. The hard reset is so that you don't treat the promise like you did the bondage. If you don't have a hard reset, what will happen is you will get to the promise and you will treat it like the dysfunction you came out of. If you come out of a bad relationship and get into a good one, you will not know how to act when someone's treating you right. Because your life has been so used to drama and arguments that when it's peaceful and quiet, you start an argument because you feel better because you still like Egypt more than you like the promised land. I'm trying to talk to somebody in this room. So what literally happens is you come out of here, you go into here, and when you get here, you can't, you, you can't enjoy it. So he says, 40-day reset. I want you to get in here, go up on this mountain, come into a covenant with me, come down. I'm going to give you some manna. It's going to be lovely. The, the manna uh, uh, is kind of like a, uh, a sorbet, I believe. It didn't have a taste to it, okay? <laughs> they were used to garlics, leeks, and onions, and I believe the manna was supposed to act like a, a sorbet. It was meant to cleanse their palate from the bondage that they had been tasting for 400 years to prepare them to be able to taste how good milk and honey was in the promised land. God will always give you a season where it seems bland so that when you get to the real promise, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. (laughs) But here's what the children of Israel did. They turned a place that was supposed to be temporary into a place of permanence. And they called it God. Okay. They literally took the manna and the water from the rocks and said, this is our promise. They took welfare and said it was the promise. They took wick and said it was the promise. They took their food stamps and their EFT cards and said it was the promise. They chose something that was supposed to be temporary. So you could get back on your feet and called it the promise. And just because their clothes never tore and their shoes never wore out because they were still given some provision, they rejoiced like it was the Lord. But we know that it wasn't God because they stopped practicing their covenant while they were there. And they literally almost sacrificed the next generation's promise because of their disobedience. The fathers stopped circumcising their children. And we know they did because in Joshua chapter number five, he had to circumcise an entire generation before they went into the promised land. See, if you uh, accept uh, dysfunction uh, and, and the wilderness that you've created as your permanent place, you will sacrifice the next generation's blessing because you don't want to fight for your breakthrough. 
they were supposed to be circumcised uh, at eight years old. I'm, I'm sorry, at eight days old, not eight years old. They were supposed to be sacrificed on the, uh, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. But then they had to be sacrificed, uh, uh, circumcised as adults. Now, let me tell you something. There are some things that's supposed to be cut off for you when you can't remember it. Hear me. This might be effective, you, you know, parenting for if you're raising godly children, cut that disobedience off early so that they don't wind up in prison as a teenager. Cut that bad attitude off as a child. Pull out that leather ministry and let them have it so that they won't wind up on a hashtag lives matter, whatever. Like you, you got to help people out. Cut it off of them. It was supposed to be cut off at a time that they were never going to remember it. But because it didn't get cut off then, as adults, it had to be cut off. And when you have to do it when you're older, it's just painful. Now, all these ladies are saying, hey, man, you hush. All the men in here is like, mm, mm. hurry up and pass this point, sir. Your circumcision is getting on minor. Cut this short. I mean, oh, let me, okay. Um, <laughs> whatever. Just came out. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, God will send you through a wilderness experience long enough for you to pass a test. If you're in it for 40 years, that's not God. He doesn't design wilderness periods for 40 years. He designed his for 40 days. I'll prove it. Matthew chapter number four, verses one and two. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Now, now we know that Jesus went to the cross He died for the sins of all humanity. But you do know that he was a Jewish man. He came for the lost sheep of Israel. So as part of the process, here's what the Holy Spirit did, because he didn't even volunteer for it. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. He said, come on, I need you to come with me to the wilderness. Why are we going to the wilderness? I need you to retake a test. The children of Israel failed this test. They was only supposed to be there for 40 days. They wound up there for 40 years. Uh, Can you just go retake this test real quick? Let's just cross all the T's, dot all the I's before we get you out of here on this cross. Would you mind taking this test again? Jesus went right back into the wilderness for 40 days and erased in 40 days the 40 years of Israel's disobedience to get us out. Listen, some of you all are retaking your parents' tests. Don't feel bad about that. Just don't be there for 40 years. That's all I'm saying. If the test is uh, bad credit and, 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 and apartment living for 40 years, you get out of that right now. You get that credit scar up and you stop buying Louis Vuittons and you go to pay Lessie and get yourself some heels, okay, for $45 and wear them out, okay? And, 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 and go through the process you're supposed to go to because you're only supposed to be in the wilderness long enough to learn a lesson. 
not for it to become a lifestyle. God, I got to leave that alone. So pastor, just how do you come out of your wilderness? By faith. Just go through by faith. Just go right through it by faith. It's a wilderness, but go through it. Don't get stuck there. Okay. Point number three. Uh, How do we walk into our blessings? Anybody want to take a guess? (laughs) Told you it was redundant. And you should write it three times, too. That that way you can just be really mad at me. Okay. so uh, uh, point number three is by faith. How do we walk into our blessings? We walk into them by faith. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted, As loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Okay, with the remaining time that I have, let me explain this. Uh, uh, Your promise is tied to obedience. Okay. Think about it. Joshua takes over for Moses, which is a daunting task, right? Moses has been walking around with a staff, go up to a mountain, come back down. God said it. If you don't do it, die. Right. Like it was just. The ground will open up and swallow you. You'll get struck with leprosy. Even my sister felt it. Like, I mean, it's just Moses was a wow. What a leader. Right. He's he was friend, God's friend, spoke face to face. Here comes Joshua. Hey, I'm the new leader and we're just gonna, we're going to go take Jericho. How are we going to do it? Well, um, I heard from the Lord. and He gave me a download. Great. Do we need ladders and grappling hooks? He was like, <laughs> no, um, I just need the praise team. <laughs> if, if we could just get the praise team together and the Ark of the Covenant. We just go walk around. I heard him say, walk around. Just walk around it. And then uh, and we walk around once on day one. We'll just go back. We'll go back. We'll go back home. Don't nobody say nothing. We'll just go back home. I don't know if Joshua's supposed to be the leader. <laughs> Where's Moses? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. We need Moses back. They do it too days, three days, four days, five days, six days. On the seventh day they come out, they, they do it, they walk around seven times. Now you do know that when God tells you to do something by faith, you will look dumb. Yeah. There's just no escaping it. Imagine we're coming to attack your city and here's our strategy. <laughs> so. No, we coming, we coming, I just... There's people like on the wall looking at Jericho. What are they doing? How is, what do they think they're going to do? It looks crazy, right? I'm just, I'm walking around it. Well, how, how are you going to walk into your promise? You, you feel like you're supposed to be getting out of debt and, and God's going to bless you with a house. How are you doing? I'm just walking around. I'm walking around, getting my credit cleared up, doing everything I know to do right. Right. The miracle is still going to come from God. But but I have to do something. He's not. Think about it. The, the, the people in Jericho wasn't like, oh, yeah. who are you? Who goes there? Israel. Oh, yeah. You you know what? We've been brushing up on your God and we know that he promised you Canaan. So we've just been packing up. We're going to leave. So you can have our house. You can have all our land right now. No, no, no. The, the, God will leave enemies on your property. And make you fight them. And some of y'all will get confused because you'll think, no, God, you said you're going to get the victory. He's like, I am through you. Go fight. But I can't fight. Throw a punch. 
I don't, I don't even, just do that. Like, I don't even care. Close your eyes and do that. I'll move your enemy's face up to your fist. I'll get glory out of it, but you got to do something. You're not just going to stand here. You have to do something. Listen, walking into your promise requires you moving by faith. So, they walked around it. Then they shouted to the top of their lungs. <laughs> Cracks all in the wall. Walls came down. They walked right in. Listen to me. The promise was milk and honey. Right? We get excited about that. Milk and honey. Canaan land. Milk and honey. Canaan land. Milk and honey. Canaan land. Right? But the milk wasn't in one gallon plastic jugs. The honey wasn't prepackaged in the shape of a bear. The milk was in the cows. And the honey was in the hive. The land flowing with milk and honey requires you. God bless you with a house. That's the promise that he called, that he gave you. What's the stewardship? That mortgage payment. Thank you, Lord. I got the house. Thank you, Lord. Mortgage payment come, $2,100. You were like, whoa. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Mm. I lived with my roommate. Oh. I got to pay this every month for 30 years? Milk the cow. I'm tired of people visiting the promised land because of their lack of stewardship. You can't stay in the promised land without stewardship. You live there by faith. You look at 30 years of mortgages and you go mortgage payments. You go, okay, Lord, thank you. Now be provider and I'm going to go to work. (laughs) I'm going to do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. You, You want a great marriage? Husbands, wash the dishes. Just I, I don't wash dishes. Wash them. Wash them. Give your wife a break. Then she will give you a break. Okay. 30 second marriage ministry done. Okay. I'm telling you, the promised land requires stewardship. And, and, And I'm tired of people getting excited about it, but only temporarily having it because they didn't prioritize and steward what was right. Uh, I'll give you this story. I was in Boston uh, a few years back uh, preaching for one of my friends, and he decided to drive me in a neighborhood um, where a lot of the uh, uh, basketball players that played for the Celtics had purchased houses. And so they drove me through, and he said, uh, this is where so-and-so lived, and this is where so-and-so lived. And this is where so-and-so lived. And this is where so-and-so lived. And I was like, these are all past tense. I'm troubled. <laughs> Why were these all past tense? Uh, because their, their initials are in the gates. Like, did they get traded? He was like, no, they just blew their money, mismanaged it. And I'm like, oh. 
If you don't get that reset in the wilderness, you will only visit the promised land. And you will either be back in the wilderness or far worse, you'll be back in bondage. I'm trying to tell you all three of these phases you do by faith. So how do we come out of bondage? Louder. Louder. How do we stay out of the wilderness unnecessarily? Thank you. And, and, And how do we get our blessings? Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes two and a half months of the Faith Move series. I hope you've been blessed. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.